Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matisek, digital editor for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. The Sacrament of Reconciliation is one of the most misunderstood sacraments of the Catholic Church. According to studies by the Center for Applied Research in the Apostolate, only about 2% of Catholics go to confession once a month or more, 12% go once a year, and nearly half never go at all. But as Pope Francis has reminded us, the Sacrament of Reconciliation is one of the best ways to experience God's love and mercy. On Monday, March 19th, the Archdiocese will be offering a special Day of Reconciliation. It will be a chance for people to receive the sacrament throughout the day. Joining us to talk about confession is Father Brian Nolan, Chaplain and Director of Campus Ministry at Mount St. Mary's University in Emmitsburg. Father Nolan, thanks for being here. Thank you, George. So can you tell us why do Catholics go to confession? Yeah, one of the great things about the sacrament of reconciliation or confession is um, is it's an encounter with Jesus. It's one of the the means that we have of meeting him in mercy. St. Paul uses the language that um, that we're ministers of reconciliation. And that famous passage in uh, John 20, 21, it's one of the first things Jesus did after he rose from the dead, is when he came into the behind, uh, through the locked doors, and it says, uh, he, he uh, said, peace be with you. And then he said, he breathed the Holy Spirit upon him and said, who sins you forgive will be forgiven. Who sins you hold bound will be held bound. And we believe uh, it was through that, that, that binding and loosing that he's giving, that we have this encounter in Jesus uh, through a priest. One of the things that I hear from friends and acquaintances is the idea that if you have a sin, you can just go straight to God for forgiveness, that you don't need a priest. How do you respond to that objection? And what if Jesus said, go to a priest? You know, that sense that this is ultimately, it's rooted in the authority of Jesus Christ uh, given to us. And the fact that, um, that uh, that's one of the gifts of our Catholic understanding of faith, that God works through people, that God works through bread and wine that becomes his body and blood, that God works through water um, that can be used to baptism to make someone spiritually um, new. All of these things are, are means that Jesus gave us, and this happens to be one of them. Hmm. Confession can seem really scary for a lot of people. Uh, it is humbling, isn't it? You know, there's a part of us that's like, either we're bringing something to light or we're admitting something, our thoughts, our words, our actions. So it is humbling. So there can be like, you know, we can feel a little, you know, nervous going before them. And um, and yet at the same time, one of the great gifts, and I've learned over the years, both uh, as someone who's gone to confession and also as uh, someone who hears confessions that, uh, you know what, there's, there's no new sins. You're never going to surprise or shock a priest. <laughs> it's like there's only Ten Commandments. And, uh, and what I've, I've come to know is priests don't look at people differently, that it doesn't matter what you're bringing. The fact that uh, what's even more beautiful, it's like you're coming to be made new. It's like it doesn't matter what you're bringing. Bring it before the Lord because this is ultimately a conversation for, to, uh, where you encounter the Lord um, through a priest. And then be free. And that's the gift of a sacrament of confession. I remember one person said, you know, oh, you heard a lot of confessions. You must feel like it just weighs you down. I'm like, 
not at all. Like never, like nothing. I don't, I don't even hold on to it at all. Like I give it to Jesus. It's like <laughs> Jesus takes it away. It's, it's kind of like a, a spiritual dump truck, right? Mm-hmm. It just kind of removes it. And, um, and the fact that if anything, the fact that the Lord uses us to make people new through absolution, there's something beautiful about that. So it never weighs me down to hear confessions. It's actually free. And it's like, I'm helping with the grace of God uh, for people to have a new uh, spiritual freedom. And there's nothing more beautiful than that. And of course, that there's that seal of confession as well. Yeah, so you're, yeah. you're not going to be repeating sins. Yeah, yeah. It's, everything's sacred in the seal, and you know, you hear confession after confession. It's like you move on, you just move on after the confession, and just move on. And uh, and that's very beautiful. And realizing that uh, every one of us is is in need of ongoing conversion. Every one of us. So there's a this is great. You know, the humility that comes both as someone who hears confession and as, and going to confession again teaches the beauty and gift of humility of entrusting ourselves of the Lord that we're all, as Pope Francis says, we're love sinners. Mm-hmm. We're love sinners, but his mercy is greater than anything that we can imagine. And, um, yeah, that's something beautiful about that. Is there any sin too big to forgive? And, and <laughs> absolutely not. That is, that is something that I'd say two things. One is sometimes a person can say like, ah, either, I don't know if God can forgive me. And it's like, I think it was Jesus who said in, the, in his apparitions of St. Faustina, he says, tell them that your sins are like grains of sand compared to the ocean of my mercy. Like grains of sand, like nothing. Like, do we ever think our sins are too big for God? Like, we must have a small God if that's the case. Um, but in reality, in my experience is, what I find is there's some people that almost say, <clears throat> maybe I should hold on to it because I don't know. I don't know if I want to be forgiven because I'm just sorry for it. But it really is... Um, it's, it's, it would be like holding on to cancer. Mm. The Lord doesn't want us to have cancer. Mm. And if we come freely before him, um, do we know that we have such a good God that he loves to take, um, he's in the business of taking the greatest sinners and making them the most beautiful saints. And whether it's Mary Magdalene, the only thing we know about Mary Magdalene is she was freed of seven demons, which seems to refer at least to some sinful past, but she was made new and she became one of the most faithful followers of the Lord. Or, uh, or Peter who denied even knowing him even though he said, I'll never deny you. And like, it was like four hours later. And he's like, I did not even know the man. <laughs> and yet Jesus said to him, um, Simon, do you love me more than these? Feed my lambs, tend my sheep. This restorative power of the grace of God that we see in scriptures, that we see over and over in the lives of saints should give everybody great hope. And of course, there's probably some people at the other end of the spectrum who might say, I don't have things to confess, or I, I don't know what to confess. Or right. Can you talk about how to examine one's conscience and yeah. how that works? It, it is interesting. And over the years, I've seen as a priest is, I think some of it is rooted, <clears throat> excuse me, when we grow up, we have this sense of, um, the, let's look at our examination of conscience in light of the Ten Commandments, you know. Am I loving God and have no other idols before me? Am I cursing? And after a while, most people say, like, well, it's not like I did a drive-by shooting this week. You know what I mean? There's like, I don't know what to put in there. But that's kind of like the beginning of an examination of conscience. That's like kind of basics. But as we go on in the spiritual life, we also want to look in, in, in our life in, in, in regards to our vocation. And what is and just our basic duties in life. How am I doing? How, how are, if you're a married person, how are you doing with loving your spouse? How are you doing with caring for your children and patience and kindness to them? How are you doing with the virtues? And they have examination of conscience in light of the virtues. They have some in light of beatitudes. And they're not just things like where a person says, what have I done wrong? Uh, actually, it's the opposite. They remind us of like, how am I called to live and how am I called to love? Mm. And in light of that, there's actually freeing. So it gives you, in an examination of conscience, you can say, 
I do want to grow more humble and poor in spirit, or I want to be more merciful, or I want to, I want to be, um, uh, you know, not desire my will and my way in this circumstance. But all these ways are great, to, really, to grow in spiritual growth, which is the, the beauty and the treasure of our Catholic faith. It has this richness of ways to grow in the spiritual life, and that's one of them doing a little bit more um, developed or a kind of alternative examination of conscience. And it, should that be something you do daily or right before the second? Yeah, yeah, so sometimes before confession, um, there is a, a daily examination of conscience that you can do. And the best advice I ever heard on this in the spiritual life is this, is look over your life in light of the virtues, in light of the seven deadly sins. Mm-hmm. Every one of us usually uh, struggles with two or three root sins. Pride is always one of them, pride and vanity in some way. And then two or, uh, about you know one or two others. And look in light of those and say, and, and you can do what's called more of a particular examination of conscience, like you struggle with being greedy or desiring your way. Okay, am I try to especially try to be generous that day? And have I noticed times I've been um, I've lacked generosity or or my will, my way? Have I yielded to your spouse or your coworker? Am I more conscious of that? So there's um, you can do a more thorough one before confession, but then you can do a, a shorter nightly examination of conscience to both be aware of uh, of, of ways that we need to, to grow in, in virtue and ways we need to say, Lord. I want to start new uh, with you and your grace. Pope Francis has been a great advocate for the sacrament of reconciliation. He himself has gone to confession publicly, and he's encouraged people to go to confession. He even had the year of mercy. And did you notice more people coming to the sacrament during the year of mercy? Yeah, you know what? Pope Francis, I think, has inspired a lot of us. And uh, two things that, if there's one thing Pope Francis has really helped me do and helped a lot of, a lot of people do to say, like, how are we going out to people so we tried different things at Mount St. Mary's. Uh, we, we had a thing called Mercy on the Move. It was like confessions coming to you, and we went to the dorms to offer the sacrament of confession. Now that one, you know, it had mixed results. You know, we, yeah, we had some confessions. It wasn't like a, we weren't bowled over by it, but it was the let's go out to the dorms mm. and just to be present. So it was a great concept, tried it, and had, had some good effects, but it wasn't overwhelming effects. But the second one that happened to work on a college campus was uh, we started a thing called 11th Hour Confessions. And, and, and the theme was, it's never too late for confession. So at Mount St. Mary's, we have these 9.45 p.m. masses, every, you know, Monday through Thursday. So after Thursday night, after 9.45, so about 10.15, from 10.15 to 11.30, you know, 11th hour confessions, never too late for mercy. You have nothing else scheduled for confession. Mm-hmm. And the first year we did it, which I believe was the year of mercy, uh, you know, people came to about 11 o'clock. The second, and there were, you know, you could tell a mixture of people who had been away from confession in a while. Second year we did it. Every time I went to 11.30 p.m. every Thursday night, sometimes a little longer. (laughs) And the sense of like, but Pope Francis inspired the sense of like, go out. Tell people of, of, of mercy and, and make the, do creative opportunities. And that just happened to be one uh, that has since uh, bore fruit. That's great. Well, our guest today is Father Brian Nolan, chaplain and campus minister at Mount St. Mary's University in Emmitsburg. Our conversation will continue in a moment. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Jolly Abad struggled for a response when her daughter, seven-year-old heir, asked why they were walking in the Maryland March for Life. How do I tell my children, asked Abad. It can be so harsh for kids to hear that adults are killing babies. The Abad family joined hundreds of other pro-life advocates March 12th to march from St. Mary's Parish and School in Annapolis to the Maryland State House for a rally. Advocates were joined by Jeannie Mancini, president of the National March for Life, held January in Washington, D.C., near the anniversary of the Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision that legalized abortion. 
When and if Roe is corrected, the abortion law will return to the states, Mancini said. It's very important that we're working at the level of the states to instill good, pro-life public policies that protect the inherent dignity of the human person from conception to natural death. To learn more and to hear more stories from the March for Life, visit catholicreview.org. A native Spanish speaker who grew up with Italian-speaking relatives in Argentina, Pope Francis has a striking way with words. Bringing a background in literacy themes and devices with him to the papacy five years ago, the Pope has shown himself to be a master of metaphor and allegory. His cross-cultural and eclectic knowledge of literature and cinema has supplied him with numerous visual elements that he mixes and matches with a religious message, creating such compound concoctions as the babysitter church to describe a parish that doesn't encourage active evangelizers, but only worries about keeping parishioners inside out of trouble. Armchair Catholics, meanwhile, don't let the Holy Spirit lead their lives. They would rather stay put, safely reciting a cold morality without letting the Spirit push them out of the house to bring Jesus to others. To hear more of the Pope's phrases, visit catholicreview.org. From the Catholic Review Newsroom, this is Emily Rosenthal. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to The Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow The Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. The season of sacraments is nearly here. First Holy Communion, Confirmation, and Weddings. Visit the Baltimore Basilica, America's first cathedral, and stop by the gift shop for all of your gift needs. From beautiful frames to crucifixes and crosses, statues and one-of-a-kind rosaries, the Basilica gift shop has it all. Friendly, knowledgeable staff members can help you select the perfect gift. Also available, Baltimore's very own Mouth Party Caramels locally designed hand-painted signs and jewelry, plus gifts for Easter as well as an extensive line of St. Patrick's Day items sure to bring out the Irish and everyone. Visit the Basilica Gift Shop at 409 Cathedral Street in Baltimore or call 410-727-3565 for hours and directions. Free street parking available directly in front of the Basilica between 9.30 and 4 p.m. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matasek, Digital Editor for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We're speaking about the Sacrament of Reconciliation with our guest, Father Brian Nolan, Chaplain and Campus Minister at Mount St. Mary's University in Emmitsburg. Father, I remember having conversations with the late Father Milton Hipsley, who was pastor of St. Mary in Cumberland and chaplain at the Western Correctional Institution near Cumberland. 
He told me how important the sacrament of reconciliation was for prisoners and how freeing, how spiritually freeing it was for them. Do you find that to be the case for the people who come to you for confession? Yeah, and before I answer that question, uh, Father Hipsley was uh, just a, had a great love for uh, really making confession available to people, especially in the prison. He always told me, it always struck, I was a seminarian, he said, you know what, I decided a long time ago, on Saturday nights, what am I going to do, watch TV in the rectory? I'm just going to go to the prison here, confessions. It's like, what better use of my time? I remember being like very inspiring. I'm like, Father Hipsley, good for you. You know, the sense of like just making yourself available and that reality of um, of like lightening burdens, uh, breaking uh, chains that gives a new freedom. It's real. You can see it in people's eyes. Like on a regular basis, you can see it in people's eyes. It's very real, and uh, it's really the power of absolution. And I came to realize that that um, just in my own life as a priest that. It really changes people, and it's not me saying a nice little thing, not that that can give encouragement and consolation, but there is the grace of God in the sacrament that's very, uh, it's very obvious um, to me as a, as a priest who hears confessions. What's it like for you as a priest to give absolution? It's, it's, a, it's a powerful experience, the words of Jesus Christ. It's the authority of Jesus Christ giving uh, forgiveness. And again, there's many times where it's like, I, I, I've, you know, I don't even think about like what the person's brought but I can still remember their face hmm. after absolution. They're like new people. And the example I gave when I was first ordained priest, uh, somebody gave me the suggestion. They're like, hey, go hear confessions for like a weekend retreat, a youth retreat. So I went to um, one of the big youth conferences and I heard confessions for like 10 hours. And during that time, the number of times, like just 10 hours, they came before, even prior to confession, they said, Father, I don't know if I even believe in God. And after confession, they were like, I love God so much. Like you could tell that there was a new freedom given and you could tell there the blindness of sin that they couldn't see it clearly. But once they brought it into the light and they knew they, they, they wanted forgiveness, they were different people. And I saw the before and after that came from the gift of absolution. It was pretty stunning. I was like, that was a different person from the person who sat down when they first got here. It's such a big responsibility for a priest to, to hear confession. How, how do you prepare for, for this sacrament yeah. as a confessor? Well, first we, we pray for priests. We put a regular intention. We'll say, like, pray for priests who are hearing confessions. You know, pray that we have wisdom and guidance. There was a prayer that um, some years ago I, I kind of adapted from a prayer from St. Vincent Furrer. I have it here. I'd like to read it to you. It's a beautiful prayer. Um, it goes like this. Lord, help me to radiate the warmest charity. Give me the grace to encourage the faint-hearted, to put the fear of God in the hard-hearted, but let do both with motivated by pure love. Jesus, fill me with charity for all men and women. I will speak with today, that I may accomplish only what you desire. Give me the grace of wise counsel and the, the ability to discern your Holy Spirit's action in their life, to guide them to a more uh, fervent love for you. Hmm. That's and it was beautiful. like a little beautiful prayer. And the more you pray, I pray that all the time, it's like, yeah, let me be open to whatever you want me to help to encourage them, to give them a word of encouragement, to speak about the reality of, uh, of the need uh, for conversion or the love of God and the greatness of his mercy. These are all parts of that prayer. Mm -hmm. What advice would you have for someone who's been away from the sacrament for years or decades? Yeah, it is interesting. And for some, they're like, oh, it's been a really long time. And I'll say, how long? And they're like, Oh, like two years. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> we can work with that. So some people think they've been away longer than the. No, we could. You know, and the Lord meets us wherever we are. Mm -hmm. And especially those who have been uh, furthest away, they might say, like, sometimes a person would begin their confession, generally speaking, by saying, like, I've committed all ten of the commandments. All right, let's start with there. Pray for courage. Do a little examination of conscience. 
and never worry. The priest will walk you through it. And there is a, such a freedom in the, in the power of the sacrament of reconciliation. Like, don't put it off. It's worth going. Um, especially this Lent, don't miss an opportunity for the sacrament of mercy and for you to experience that. Of course, the traditional way of receiving these sacrament is in the confessional, but have you ever had people stop you in the street or other places? Yeah, that... I remember walking in Baltimore, you know, just kind of walking in the inner harbor or near the inner harbor, and someone was like, Father, can you hear my confession? I've had people stop me in airports. I've had, you know, people just, I've had people almost do confessions on airplanes, but we didn't do the confession on an airplane. It wasn't private. Um, and what's even um, more beautiful in the Catholic world we have these cases. I remember going to Toronto's World Youth Day, and we went there, and like someone will like stop you and say, "Father, can you hear my confession?" And I would sit down to hear a confession, and there'd be like a line of twenty people that would line up immediately because <laughs> World Youth Day. They were like, "Oh, he must be hearing confessions at the focus conferences at, at Seek or at um, SLS." Same thing. You'll kind of get spiritually hijacked in, a, in the best sense of being hijacked. Say like, "Hey, do you have time?" And, and you know what? Uh, we have time um, to offer the mercy of God, and even if it's walking down a street or at a Catholic conference, and uh, that we have time to extend the mercy of God because um, we've known you know, the goodness of God and mercy for ourselves as well. How frequently should a person receive the sacrament, or how do you discern how often? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. And for people, it's, I think it's different. You know, and some, some people I've heard, I remember a religious sister saying she tried to go once a season, you know, summer, spring, fall, winter, or go during the liturgical seasons is a great advice for Advent and Lent is a great time. I'm, I'm a big encouragement of a person to grow in the spiritual life, but once a month. It's not because you're necessarily sinning more, but more and more you're aware of, I really do want to grow in this virtue and really be aware. And um, I know some people have the, the practice of monthly confession, which is a great and spiritually um, uh, efficacious uh, um, practice for our spiritual life. What has it been like for you just as a regular Catholic? That's right. I'm a Catholic. You know, what is that? that uh, St. Augustine has a phrase that says, uh, um, with you, I'm a Christian. For you, I'm a priest or I'm mm-hmm. a bishop. And like, hey, I'm a Christian, <laughs> you know, and I'm in need of mercy too. And uh, it, it's humbling, but you start realizing that, yeah, um, even in my fallenness or brokenness, God still loves me. And both because um, I get to extend that more and more to, to, to receive that from my brother priests. I, I, leave, I have a great story that I remember one time I asked a priest, he was an older priest, and I said, um, hey, could I go to confession? And he said, um, he looked at me, and he had, a, he had a great sense of humor. He said, you, a sinner? Copycat. <laughs> you know, and it was like, it was so like refreshing, like, yeah, we're all sinners in need of mercy. And, uh, and God's goodness and mercy applies to me as well. That's great. Any other thoughts about confession? Yeah, maybe I can um, uh, share with you a story that um, I, I remember, uh, you know, there's, as a priest, like we hear confessions a lot. And sometimes we're really encouraging, like, Lord, how do you want me to encourage a person? And I remember there was kind of a series of maybe weeks where, where it, really struck, it really struck me to encourage people to say, like, I just remember having a confession, generically speaking, and really having a desire to tell them, like, God is so all in with you. God is so all in. And that was the phrase the Lord gave me. And, and I had a crucifix that's behind me, like the divine mercy pictures behind them. I'm looking at all the time and crucifix behind me. I'm like, just look at the cross. God is so all in with you. He never tires of good mercy. He never tires of it. And I must have said this like in multiple confessions over a period of weeks that that might have been like a little mantra that had come to mind and really been convicted by uh, to, to share that with others. And after a confession, um, I remember um, one person said this. They're like, Father Brian, 
God's all in with me, isn't he? God's all in with me. And I'm like, you better believe it. Hmm. He is so all in with us. He never tires of good mercy. So one of, it's one of the most beautiful gifts and um, to avail ourselves. And uh, don't miss out on this opportunity. Well, Father Brian Nolan, thank you so much for being with us on Catholic Baltimore. Great. Thank you. Thank you for having me, George. Once again, as a reminder, the Day of Reconciliation will be held Monday, March 19th in parishes throughout the Archdiocese of Baltimore. For more information, visit archbalt.org. Again, that's archbalt.org or contact your parish. For Catholic Baltimore, I'm George Matisek. We'll see you again next week. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.